Hello, it's Jack Tudor here from Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak to musicians and sound artists about the three records that are important to them. My guest this time is Hannah Huckelberg, a Norwegian singer who I've been listening to for over 10 years now. I first saw her at Birmingham Supersonic Festival in 2006, and she was amazing, and I've followed all of her albums since. She creates beautiful songs, straight-up beautiful songs, but shrouded in so much experimentation and harmonic play and all kinds of wonderful means of sonic invention. And that's a common thread throughout her work, but what isn't common is her approach to style, I guess. I mean, she's just recently released a new album called Trust, which is entirely different from anything she's ever done. It's very electronic, it's very immediate. And so it was such a pleasure to speak to her about both the new album, but also about the three records she picked which in themselves were really interesting because she actually went for three very recent records, all released this year. And part of the intention of this podcast was to also have conversations about the act of listening generally. And I think Hannah's choice of three very recent records led to a big discussion about her relationship with listening generally in the uh, digital age. So this one actually goes off track a bit and I was so glad to follow it there because I think Hannah had so much to say about our current listening circumstances and also how it relates back to her new record as well. So check out hannahuckelberg.com you can check the spelling in the name of this podcast and Hannah's actually on tour as well. She's actually got a few dates coming up across Europe and in the UK as well. So I'll include links in the show notes to those tour dates. Also as well, go to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for all the other links to Hannah and to her three picks as well. And without further delay, here's Hannah Huckelberg on Crucial Listening. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. So I want to start by talking to you about your new record, which is at the time of recording out in two days, will be out mm. in the world um, by the time that this podcast is mm. released. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a short time and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, uh, it's going to be good to have it out there and living its own life. Yeah, because it's been <laughs> with you for, I mean, I want to say five years from what I've been reading, um, the main work kind of came on the back of Feather Brain quite promptly. But then I see that there's been songs in the works for like 10 years as well. 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It, there's one song on the album that I actually recorded when I was like 25 or so. And I use this recording now, but I haven't really worked on it for so long yet. The last five years, I would say three of the last years, I've been working on this, on this album specifically. Um, so I would say the, the three, I've been working on this album for three years, I would say. I mean, obviously there's such, and we spoke about it a bit before we started the podcast, but I mean, quite a striking difference in terms of the sound of this record. Um, at what point did that kind of direction that you've taken with this record start to emerge? And at what point did you think, right, this is the the kind of sound world that I'm heading in for this this album? I think it started while I finished the last record, actually, because I, I it often starts then and also in while touring with the with the material my last record was featherbrain which is a quite strange and artistic and it's quite i think i think that's the most uh strange album i ever released i I'd <laughs> I'd like, agree I li- yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it i like it i love it but it's um and i had to do it but it's uh it's really strange so uh, but kind of the, the effect that it gave me to make that uh, an album so strange and artistic kind of made me wanting to do the quite opposite i think i needed something else i needed to do something much more convenient uh, straight uh to be me like I, I am i'm i can't really make straightforward pop music but um to me this this the album coming on friday is the straightest and most straightforward album i ever made <laughs> <laughs> so um so and i had to do that because i I haven't really wanted to do anything else the last five years. So uh, that's probably just a sign that I did the right thing for in my artistic processes right now. I, I think I'm, I'm listening to pop music, like I'm listening to like a lot of electronic music. I listen to, yeah, we're going to talk about this soon. But um, yeah, so my inspirations has come very much from the main from pop music the latest years yeah and i understand that you were at the helm on the production of this one as well um which mm. uh, how has that experience been for you because it sounds to me like a record that um wields production very much as a method of composition perhaps mm. more so than i've heard on your previous albums yeah uh Everything around this is so new to me because this is the first time I ever produced the whole album myself. Um, but I, I always co-produced my albums together with Kåre Westerheim. He's been my regular producer in all years. But now I felt kind of mature and I wanted to... Yeah, I really wanted to, to test out my own skills and my producing skills. And, and Kåre said, go for it and... And I just needed to 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 find out if I was able to do this, and uh, it's been so much fun, and it's been really, yeah, I've learned a lot. Um, but I 
I've been sitting so much alone, so I don't, the word you're putting on this, like uh, uh, methods, like what sort of method I've used, it's not been, uh, I've not put words on this uh, so much. Uh, So I guess, yeah, of course, when I've had a process, I, I was in Berlin for two months to try to compose and to compose the music and prepare the music to to produce it later but i guess those two things like composing lyric writing and also producing has been more or less like uh, i don't know how to to put them apart from each other those three things i i've been doing it all in the same process so it's been parallel works lyrics composing and producing and I kind of I think I had quite um what what I tried to to focus on in this process was to just uh to accept chaos to try to just let things be chaotic and let things be uh, all out there and not understanding just let that be and be okay because I I actually think that that in the end I just try to walk it slow try to do everything slowly and then after a while to be patient then it solved out I every song got their own uh, shape and form and and became themselves after enough time so that's what the song embroidery is about and I think um, I just let myself uh, use the time I needed to use and then the songs became the way they were, su- they were supposed to 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 be after enough time it's kind of like a fruit or something <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> you know when they're finished <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I, what I've really enjoyed actually about this record is your use of the voice um I, I mean you seem to be having a lot of fun phonetically on this album like there's just little details um (laughs) where things are you know repeated just like little consonants little vowels just um which has made me smile like a lot in fact the the moment where you say machu picchu as well on european heights i had a big grin on my face (laughs) and i you know I've, i've been belting that out because it's a lot of fun just to say i mean what what has been your thinking with the voice on this record and uh, i'm intrigued as well as to whether any of that is tied into working alone and working solo i mean has that made you want to use the voice as a a resource more yeah well when i i really enjoyed working alone because i i i work basically alone and when i'm alone i i just go into my zone and and feel free when I sing I think I don't know it's like everything that just goes by by itself I I think um then that's because you're in a zone and that's because you have this flow and then I think my voice and when I sing I think I am in that sort of a zone or or in a flow and um, then I just don't think I just do whatever I like and I just play with it and I also like 
I also like these things when I can just play around with uh, the phonetics or consonants or just sing just in weird strange ways and uh, that's what I like the best I think with in this process also when I when I were able to to just sing very freely record track by track and like uh, use my voice and and record uh, harmonies and I could just listen to them time after time when I got home in the evening uh, sitting on my stair in my like in this uh, outside and and uh, and listening it on it on my on my phone in my plugs and just oh those chords and like that's <laughs> that's some of the best things by recording alone and just even if nobody else likes it I I do <laughs> I don't know if nobody else likes it but I I really enjoyed doing that and it's really I really like that you like it too okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice but I, it wasn't really necessary for me because it's so fun just doing it just to confirm as well when we spoke about a song that had been with you for you know for 10 years it was silverhead isn't it that's the, the song that's been w- with you for a long time yeah it's um i think i made this while i was living in a shared flat like really many years ago and I was just checking out my new Pro Tools. I had gotten a new music program. My brother has fixed it to me. Just He's a sound engineer and he just wanted me to have the best equipment and just fixed me a Mac and fixed me a Pro Tools music program and I was just testing out and I found a reverb and I suddenly found out this um octave function so i could (laughs) my my voice sounded like a man and i'm i still am really fascinated by this uh effect like i have so many boxes with the with this function that i I can sound like a man (laughs) because i it's so fascinating because you just become another person and to be able to (laughs) sing like and feel like another person and another gender and another like a really different person it's, it's so fascinating and i just recorded this thing this yeah. bass line and i just yeah i got into the zone <laughs> <laughs> and i just Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> ah, it was so much fun. And I, I save all my recordings and I never, I always had this song in my mind that I, I should do something with this song. And now, you know, like the fruit, it was ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I felt like now is the time and I need this. I'm ready to, to make a song with this male voice. I, I think. It's really exciting. <laughs> it really fits on this record. Um, you say that Feather Brain was, Brain was your strangest record, but I think even in amongst that, I think this vocal effect would have been um, quite intense, but it feels very right for Trust. Um, although it did take me a moment. Um, I was like, who's this guy? on the guest vocal i don't remember being told about this and then i think it was when you said the word planet and i recognized your um that felt like a very familiar 
intonation like the way that you were saying it felt very much like you and that was the moment that I was like oh wait that's still Hannah somehow (laughs) (laughs) when we talk about the I mean when you mentioned the fruit being ripe I mean um again before we started on the podcast you mentioned about the fact that beyond the release date it's done and it's you know very much out of your hands was there a Hmm. point at which you were able to quite easily draw the line and say right this record is done because there's a lot of detail on this record like a lot of stuff embedded into the corners and very very tiny like micro beats running along the main rhythm how easy was it for you to say okay that's I'm not touching it anymore. I'm going <laughs> to hand this over to someone else. Well, um, that was a long process. I think the last half year, very many of the songs just slide on my disc and weren't really touched much at all. I was sending some of my songs to other co-producers that are really uh, doing great stuff. But I was... I, w- I always checked um, before that I would that they would be willing to send the files back to me so I could uh, pick out pick and choose you know because I wanted to and I, I I have versions of these songs which are really they fit perfectly on radio and they are so mainstream and they are so pop but I've actually uh, turned them back again into my to make them fit my expression because I wanted them to be. I needed them to be the way I saw them. I it was really in, inspiring to hear other people's uh, versions of my songs, but I needed them, and I I could pick some ideas um, from from the other productions, but I basically found out in this process that I needed to keep my own the way I did it so I made a few changes but I I changed them back to the way I did them and I decided that I what I needed was to maybe pick out a few things I had to be sharper in I I I what I worked on this last half year was just to pick out things from my own sound picture to make the songs more clearer and not so messy. And I and I had uh, a good friend and a colleague of me to mix uh, the whole album very, like in a very in a, in an extended way, I would say. So we just did a really good job job on mixing the the sounds and making the sounds that were, was already there in a very good way and and that was that was all that was um how do you say it in english that was what i needed to make what i already had and what i did to make to make it elevate and to to ripe <laughs> sort of <laughs> in the in the perfect way maybe i wouldn't need to go all those Oh my, not shortcuts, but the the opposite. What is the opposite of shortcut? Oh, like basically just a a longer, like more extended means of doing things? Uh, Yeah. In Norwegian, it's called omvei. It's like you take a longer way instead of a shortcut. I occasionally call it a scenic route. 
a scenic route. Yeah. <laughs> then I, I, I instead of uh, maybe I wouldn't have wouldn't need to take this scenic route to find out if my songs could do it better or yeah. So I, it it could have. Um, um, <laughs> it's so difficult to put words on this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were asking about like how fast I decided, and actually the songs were really finished a long time ago but i needed very long time to decide that they were i needed to check out every possibility could i do them better in any other way and i i could do them a little bit better i could improve them a little bit by uh help from others and it's just really good things that i added but the basic song structures they they were there and had been there almost from the first on every song i i used one or two weeks on making them and from that on they that was the productions uh, basically and speaking of the process of transforming these songs i mean i i can only imagine the process of then performing these songs live requires some kind of modulation to make everything fit into real time um how have you found the experience of playing this music live? I know you've done some dates already and you've got some to come. Uh, and also, what's it like weaving this material in, in with the older material? Because it must be really interesting to kind of construct a set list based on um, this new record, but also those songs that have come prior. Yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's really fun to play and that's something I've been l- looking forward to to play more up-tempo songs live and that's also a good thing about this album that I have more up-tempo songs for my sets <laughs> and my concerts it's, that's really nice um, but I, it's challenging to, to, to play these things live because it's so many sounds and it's so electronic so to make my voice being so central that it as it has been before that's not so easy anymore and i have to be extremely focused uh to sing good enough actually it requires so much uh, uh vocal technique to do these songs so i actually i'm rehearsing vocally much more than earlier um even i i don't really rehearse a lot but i before I actually didn't rehearse, <laughs> but I've started. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, so I, I have started rehearse vocally, and um, so it's it's difficult to do it live, but it's also really fun. And we're still fi- trying to find out. I, like you said, I did some concerts, but I also have a European tour in front of me in first part this this fall, and we're still trying to find out how to to do. The live set even better because it's not uh really looking forward to like getting warm like being having done this more because i we it feels like we just started me and my band we have we haven't even we have <clears throat> we have more to find out about the songs we we're tr- we're experimenting still on how to do the songs even better so um it's very much fun to to rehearse and to to find new new shapes of the songs because when we play we play older songs as well uh but not change the inner core 
of the songs. We try to conserve like the inner and the core of the songs, but we we want to at the same time play them as uh, and reflect the songs as we are in. We we live in 2017, so so it's a lot to to do, and it's a big task actually to to be able to do all this, and it's also going to be. It needs to be put into something technically that we're able to to realize on stage and to do technically. And there's so many sounds. So yeah, we're still we're still experimenting and we're still rehearsing. And yeah, and I'm looking forward to play it more live and to get to get warm and to to find my to find the shape of this these songs live. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how it. It pans out. I hope it all goes well in in rehearsal, and I'll um, I'll include a link to the dates as well. Um, yeah, hopefully great. this uh, podcast should come out prior to those dates. So yeah, I'll include that on the show notes. Um, we should talk about some albums. I mean, you've come forward with yeah. three albums that you um, deem to be important, and what I want to start by asking because your selection was really interesting. In that the episodes before this one, people have picked um an array of records and generally at least one of which was from childhood or um, early experiences with music and um things that i guess have been pivotal in shaping someone's identity as a music listener and a musician um what's really Mm. fascinating with your list is the selection of three records that have come out this year yeah <laughs> which is great i I'm, i've had a wonderful time listening to these albums but it's, it's really fascinating as well to see that these records already have like an importance to you so i'd i'd love to know um, what was your thinking behind selecting these records and, and and contemplating the definition of important as you see it well i, <laughs> I have to say like i was thinking about how i would when i got the question like which three albums would you pick out for this podcast? And I, and I thought, well, I could pick out some old old ones, but I, I did that sometimes, you know. And and now I wanted to do something more like contemporary. I wanted to, uh, because I think to me, my album Trust is a album about now. It's about our time. It's about the world and our society as I see it now and I wanted to when you asked me about these three albums I wanted to pick out some albums that were actually released now and that I so I I actually just took the three last albums that I listened to in their whole like listened through oh wow so um that's the way I picked them out so I wanted to talk about something that that is now that is about the now and um because i think that says some so much about the time we live in it's like doesn't matter even more how old i am or how many albums i released it's like now that is important um like can you make someone feel something now with your music can you make someone can you reach out now that's that's all that matters and uh, and can you talk about the time we're living in now uh, to me that seems like everybody that listens to music from the streaming services like in a new way they they 
that's what's important to them. And so I wanted to just pick out something that I listened to recently. And that means also that the three albums that I picked out, they are not, I haven't really built up big thoughts around them. I haven't really listened to them many times. I haven't, like you said, you thought they were really important Jimmy. They haven't really, uh, I haven't, they haven't got into the important zone yet. Maybe they will become important to me later, but um, because they are so new, but they made me think and they made me actually listen through all their albums in their, the whole album. So these three albums are special in that way. And it's not so very often that I do that anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could start talking about them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to say, um, I, th- I think that's really interesting. Because as well, I, I think it also I mean, leads me to reflect on the nature of importance. Because I think immediately my, my thoughts and my assumptions are that importance ties into some kind of um, enduring quality. But... For the time that you're listening to something, there is those experiences where that record has your entire attention. And what's more important at that moment than something that's enveloping your sensory experience? So I think it's hmm. really interesting to, to have this spin on it. But if you'd like to, yeah, select a record um, for us to start with, um, that'd be great. Well, I just... It might be just uh, one month ago that I listened to aromaticism i don't know even what that means but uh moses sumney he's an artist and i started to google him while i was listening through his album and i think first of all the production is really nice and it's a nice it's a it's really delicate and um it felt like this was a perfect uh reaction to the pop music on like on all the Spotify playlists these days. Um, um, as you understand, I I basically listen to streaming services. Like I, it's very seldom that I put on a CD or a LP or it's seldom. So if I want to listen to music, I listen to Spotify. And I don't know what's normal in the UK or for you, but um, so I I listened to this, I listened through this album and I found that was, I listened to music all the time, but this album made me, pulled me out from my everyday zone and my everyday life and my hectic (laughs) uh, everyday life and the time stood still sort of and not much music makes me do that anymore it's like I always have this professional angle on music like I always think okay this was cool or cool this was this and that I can have opinions and I was I'm sitting and judging it sort of but this album was like I was basically just enjoying it it felt so I felt so calm and felt so I felt something. I, I could just be and concentrate on taking it in. And that was a really seldom thing for me these days. Um, that an album actually just made me just sit back and relax. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so uh, I really liked his the production I'm always so fascinated by if I can be if I can criticize myself a little on my own album it's bit I haven't really given every element on my album and in, in my music enough time to exist I next album I want to make uh, a calmer more spacey album I want to give my elements more time um, uh, I tried to do it on this album but it was just too much to I was so I was too engaged and I was too like ooh happy and <laughs> it's just too many sounds I couldn't pick enough out so they had to share the space but on this Moses Sumney album Our Romanticism you say it like that? Our Romanticism? I guess so, I've never said it before but that's how I've been saying it in my head Yeah um, I think he has given he picked out so few elements and he gave them the space they needed and it feels so good to listen to it never underestimate that to your listeners I think I think that's I really like those producers and artists that are good on making space. That's really something I enjoyed on the, the yeah. And it's also really up to date. It's like a really good, it's a really interesting reaction, I would say, to the pop music. It takes the elements uh, in the pop music, but it takes out just a few of them and kind of reacts on them. He uses sounds that are up-to-date like in a production world he takes the elements and makes them his own and just a few of them just a selection and he says something about them and uses them to say something on his own and yeah I like that this is a really beautiful record and um, I think hearing you talk about it as well is bringing a lot of context to my own thoughts as I've been listening and also reading about Moses as well um, mm. it sounds like it was a record that um, was written largely like the lyrics were written in isolation in cabins that didn't have any Wi-Fi or anything at all which oh. I, I guess makes it interesting as like a pushback against modern pop which feels very much you know plugged in to every socket mm. Also, as well, from reading an interview, it sounded like um, it was uh, a record written by someone who was um, finding a place to describe their experience of isolation and sadness, um, and not not as a kind of "I'm out there doing it for myself," you know, I'm this you know independent person, but as as the complexity of being a person alone, which. I thought it was really interesting and really it, it is a really striking record I think as you say as as, a, as an album that's that has so much space in it um I mean do you think I mean the fact that it is a record that deals with being alone I mean having done your record largely in your own company do you think there's any part of that which even though it's stylistically quite opposed as you say in terms of the amount of activity on the record do you think there's any part of that experience that's maybe resonated with you here? Yeah, absolutely. But maybe more, mostly with my earlier albums and processes because I often said, like, I, I, well, I often go to different places when I compose and actually 
on this album this is the first time I actually basically stayed at home while in making the songs so every time I went the first time I went to uh, to Berlin and then I went to northern Norway and then third on Featherbrain I was sitting in New York and making songs and what happened was that on the well, Little Things was just songs gathered from a long time back since it was my uh, debut album. But the uh, Rikestrasse 68 was the one ma made in, in Berlin in like a hectic uh, big city, a metropole. And what happened was that I made quiet music, basically. And because it was hectic outside, so my reaction on the, on the hectic city life was to make quiet music. And... Next time I moved to a very small uh, fishing village up north in Norway with 200 inhabitants. It was really far away from everything. Just one road, one store, just the ocean and the mountains. And um, then I made uh, more up-tempo indie rock um, music <laughs> and more loud music. So then I kind of so the reaction I had on living in a quiet place was to make more loud music. And then I moved to New York, which is very loud. Then I made very quiet music, which was Featherbrain. <laughs> um, so it's kind of, that is kind of my reactions. And now I've been sitting just in my own studio in Oslo. And now trust is what came out from that. And I haven't really, maybe that, he that Moses Sumney maybe he has his different maybe he goes into it more like if he goes to a quiet cabin then he makes quiet music mm. that's not the way I am but I can kind of resonate on that there is a reaction that there the environment kind of affects me I have used that quite uh, actively uh, to make music to move myself into uh environment that I knew would affect my the music that I made and he kind of did the same does that mean you're gonna to have to find somewhere really busy for the next record if you want to instigate more space <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> or I don't know I think I also really maybe I should give myself some more peace I I, I really enjoyed sitting in my own studio and, and make music and maybe maybe I don't need to place myself in physically in a new environment to make music maybe I could place myself more mentally in in new environments it happens so much in my life and I I'm never bored I I should be more bored I <laughs> maybe I should just be on the same place um, for a longer time uh, I don't know yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I well, I think that I mean that really uh, speaks to me the prospect of being more bored because I think um, yeah, <laughs> we, we kind of dancing. I, I I guess we kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, just you know the incessant stimulation of the age we currently occupy. Um, I think hmm. boredom is now something which I guess is not feared. But I know in a lot of cases, it's something that's so easily staved that there's no confronting it. Mm. Um, 
that's been on my mind quite a lot so it's interesting to hear you talk about that as well do you have a favorite track on aromanticism i have to say that quarrel is the one that's come out for me very quickly as something that i've been really enjoying i think particularly for its placement on the album it's the first time that the drums come in and it's so beautifully pitched as this track that emerges into full bloom after you know i think two or three pieces of relative quiet but what's the standout track for you at this stage i think as i i haven't really listened through the album many times so i think that the first track Hmm. moon on the man on the moon it was the it's the one that actually made me listen through the whole album and so i i will have to it's not very long maybe it's the don't bother calling track Hmm. it must 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 be because the first one is so short yeah so maybe it's number two right yes uh but the quarrel is that with with a music video I haven't seen any of his music videos, actually. Because the, he has two music videos, and they are really strong. I really love those. I think maybe, yeah, Quarrel, that's one of the singles. And yeah, the one in the, maybe Doomed. Right, yeah. I've heard him talk about that one a lot. I think maybe Doomed, that's, the, the music videos are really stunning. Those are, yeah really nice um the visuals uh to all what he does is also really that has had a big impact also on my impression on him i think yeah it's really beautiful apparently i was reading he retains i guess directorial say over all aspects of the experience so the music and the visual part of it as well so I, I assume as well that he had a big creative input into the music videos which again made me think of you as um someone who has their hand in every aspect of that experience and how it's put across yeah i i also have a lot of ideas on these things and like with a new music video on um embroidery i wanted like i gave the task of like playing with perspectives and I wanted to I didn't like tell them in details what to do but like I really wanted to have something to play with perspectives and I really love those images like doing that so but yeah I think he he has really um I really love those I think doomed yeah is the was trying to to play the video if I could see but I think that's the one that I I like the most
And if we could have your second record, Hannah, that would be awesome. Yes. Um, well, we could take um, the Kalala album, mm. Take Me Apart. I haven't really listened to that album many times either. And it's very many songs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> extremely many songs and i would like to i haven't read about it at all but i would like to hear what her thoughts behind the amount of songs are like what like 14 songs yeah and they're long the songs are long and but it's like i have to say like i i'm a production like i when i now have produced my own album i i see how much i've been uh, consumed by productions earlier i listened a lot to to only like instrumental music um like all my childhood and teen teens and like while i studied music and everything and i i think i really uh yeah how things are product produced that's something i really pay a lot attention to and on the Kalala album I think the production also is really interesting the way she chooses to take away the bass or chooses not to play things the way how she uses her voice and especially there's there's a synth she's playing that synth almost on every track and there's a synth going out of tune slightly out of tune mm. I was really into that on my Blood from a Stone album. I used something like attitude, like a little bit attitude. And I love it. I really love it because it plays with something like very fundamental in our musicalities. So I, I really, I really like that scent, even though I, I don't think I would let myself use that scent on every track like she does, but <laughs> she does it and it, it, it's, it's totally okay. I I can't get enough of it, so it's it's cool. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I really love it. Um, and the way she yeah, it's kind of a topography. Do you say that? Yeah. Top topography, like every track has their own. It's so wor worked through mm. as, as um. I think she worked through every track so it seems so well done. It's like on very many pop albums, it's like the first four songs are really smashing and the rest of the albums are like, oh, <laughs> it, you can hear that they didn't have the time to to do the rest of the tracks so uh, to work them through so well. But all this album, all of the songs are really worked through and composed like from the beginning to the end and there's a thought behind it and they are so well arranged and they are telling something by their topography like it's like uh, they're shaped in such a nice way and yeah I really the shape and the and the way the musical elements on the album, albums and on every songs are used, it's very creatively used. Yeah. So I, mm, I like the the usage. Can I say that? You can. Of, uh, 
of of every element like it's so playful and and creative so yeah i like that yeah i hadn't actually realized i, I hadn't listened to kalala before but um i know she appeared on the solange album from last year um and I, oh. I didn't realize that Moses Sumney also appeared on that record as well. So yeah, I was about to say it. Like I think they both are connected in the same uh, milieu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and obviously, that's another record as well, where the production is so conscious of what it's doing and not doing, and the silences that occupy that record with the same intensity that any of the sounds do. Um. But uh, this Kalala record is, I've listened to it maybe, I think, three times through. Um, and it's so busy that I really feel like I'm only just scratching the surface of it. Um, it's a record mm. that's, even though it feels immediate in a pop way, feels like it's taking a while to, to get to know. Um do you still feel like you're finding your way around this record or i mean has it changed as well over time the the way that you're thinking about it like i understand everything about this although no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm finished oh. <laughs> Done. <laughs> no no aren't you i'm, I'm kidding I'm, I'm i'm on the same level as you on this i haven't really understood and everything at all i don't know i think i maybe heard it twice and uh, i i i i couldn't have i i can't sing anything from it from you mm. for you i would i wouldn't have i wouldn't be able to <laughs> to i don't know any lyrics i don't know like it's just like my impression it says something it's like it's strange that yeah like she and Moses Sumner are probably from the same musical environment in LA, I would guess. I don't know, and mm. um, and uh, and that they have to. I kind of it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, they're really different albums. But they talk about our time, and then uh, it's like I, I can hear that. These are two albums made in this, yeah, in these times. Like, and I, I think it's it's made very well. It's like it's also a reaction on influences from this time on Kelala, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. You've picked these two records because um, both of them seem in interviews to be very interested in the nature of human connection um i think with particular regard to today and in 2017 and i think part of the kalala record she talks about love and connecting with people um in the age of the internet um mm. which you know i think is obviously such a a huge thing right now and it's something that i think a lot of people are, are considering and what kind of environment we occupy and how that's um becoming a a conduit for our experiences 
between each other and um so i think it's really interesting is that, that that you've chosen both that record and the moses record i mean i i hear personally in your record um i mean i don't want to start citing the subject of your lyrics back to you that makes me cringe when i hear it but I, from my from what i'm mm. hearing um and the lyrics that i picked up from your record there's a lot of mentions of being alone but also trying to connect with people um and so i found it really interesting to see that also occupy the two two of the choices that you've you've selected here as well yeah yeah i think also i think you're right i think um that's something that definitely um uh, is a big uh subject for me in my lyrics like trying to connect and being a um yeah, tr trying to connect with people in the age of internet and social media and and how it affects me and how it affects our social structures and and also I haven't on the Kalala and uh, Sumni albums I haven't been I'm so uh, blown away by the production I haven't even started listening to their lyrics actually <laughs> I'm and I'm not really a lyric person i could sing the bass line before i learned the lyrics hmm. like um um so it takes me uh, as i if i know the lyrics on your song you can be sure i'm a real fan because <laughs> it takes me <laughs> i'm a, i need a lot of time to to learn the lyrics and to actually yeah it that just takes a lot of time for me i haven't read about this artist i just now actually understood that these are from the same place and probably from the same uh, musical environment and then and the lyrics i haven't really listened to the lyrics but um that is also very f funny if if they also talk about the same subjects it's kind of then they have actually managed to to express that musically to me that are not listening to the lyrics <laughs> so that's very interesting <laughs> yeah mm. yeah i i think um it's always quite interesting when um there is i mean as you say i'm quite similar in that the lyrics don't tend to jump out me to begin with but i love it when you can hear the um manifestation of the lyrical subjects within the music and it's clear mm. that it's not just someone has written words to a nice tune. It's someone has um, basically articulating the same idea in a multitude of different ways. Mm. I, I mean, when, when you're doing, when you're writing your lyrics, I mean, is there is there a conscious link for you between, I mean, you mentioned earlier, in fact, that there's you don't view the process of writing lyrics and and actually making the songs as separate. So does that therefore imply that you consider the lyrics in terms of how they cohere with the atmosphere of the music as well? Yeah, I, they are there. It's totally separate uh, processes. And I need to, I, I can write lyrics just when they go into my studio and have a lyric just in my head and write it down but I seldom use it for any of my songs because I have to have the song first mm. and then 
I can feel what sort of lyric I can write to the song. I need to, f- to have the environment in the music or, or the atmosphere in the music. And then I write a lyric after feeling the song and then the lyric comes. And, and maybe I'm just, it might be just laziness, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not really... I, if I concentrate, I could listen to the lyrics, you know, more. But it's it's not coming. Like I'm also from a music family. Like all my my mother and my father and my brother and my sister, they are just focused on on the music, on the bassline, on the melody, on the flute, on the violin, on the you know, on the on what what are happening in the music, and and everybody are into um, instrumental music and. And the music has always just been the the core, the the inner, the basic uh, interest um, to us, and so it just it just comes naturally. But when I write, I have I have thought of making other people write me lyrics, but it's kind of I have a too strong, um, I have too much things that I want to write about and I, hmm. I actually want to say things um, so I've I've tried to challenge myself on 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 writing lyrics and to to be better and to get better on on writing things because I really I just have to I just have to to write what I'm thinking about because I'm quite opinionated <laughs> I would say and uh, but I but I can't. I can't just get it out. Just I have to get it out there in a certain way. And I'm kind of. I I know how to do it, but it takes time, and I have to explore how it is, and I have to find that in myself. And I'm. So it's. Um, I just have to write the lyrics, but I don't know really. It's it's like it. It's a heavy process, hmm. and it's so. So it has to just be an own process, and I. It's a lot of work to braid it together with the music. So it's kind of, it's like really like complicated work. I think that's the most boring things thing that I can do, making music, like braid <laughs> the lyric into the, into the music and to make it fit good enough. So, um, yeah, that's difficult. So I, when I can not listen to lyrics, I really enjoy that. And it's also nice to not think when I'm not, ha- when I don't have to think, uh, just experience the music and let my own inner chamber just float. <laughs> that's, that's a nice thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we like music, isn't it? Like just free 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 freedom yeah <laughs> yeah
Speaking of lyrics, I mean, for me with the final album you've picked, the I had no choice but to just focus on the music. I mean, I, I obviously I had the voice, but I don't speak the language, so <laughs> that task <laughs> was taken care of for me. But um, if you'd like to introduce this record and why you like it, yeah, um, actually, there's a colleague and a friend of mine, Susanna Vallumre. She released this on her label, but I didn't know until later on. Um, I don't know why I started listening to this. Because it's a really, like, a really sad. It's a really strange and weird uh, album. It's I don't know if even Norwegians are aware of this uh, release. But I started listening to this. I guess some friends of mine on social media posted it. Um, that's probably it. And um, I started just the first song. This is just very playful way with well it's it's how can I describe this um he is playing with the with the uh, basic elements of music in a very unconventional way I think I'll I'll let you pronounce his name I'll probably get it wrong Espenreinichen Yeah I definitely would have got that wrong um <laughs> yeah this um album is amazing um as you were saying about that first track the rhythm there's a bit in the middle where the the rhythm there's like several rhythms going on at the same time and the drum is sort of flitting between them that's insane <laughs> yeah i noticed as well uh, someone called thomas huckelberg recorded at least a few tracks um a few of his pieces oh, he did yeah maybe it's my brother maybe then um yeah my brother is involved in my music he 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 has helped me a lot with my my music and but Espen is I don't know the guy I had never met him I think but um but my brother has um absolutely been involved with my things but I think with what you say, like the rhythms, they're like slowing down and like you can't track. These are things that are with the up-to-date uh, audio uh, technology, like the home studios that everyone is sitting with, like in Pro Tools or uh, Ableton Live or in Logic or whatever program you're using. These things aren't really, these things are starting to get really difficult to do in those programs. Hmm. Um, or maybe it's getting better and better and better. Uh, as, uh, you can slow down, like you can, you can slow down the tempo, or you can. But some of those things has been really difficult to do, and so I'm kind of. It's not so much done because, um, uh, and it's also like having more times, uh, having several rhythms going on at the same time. These are difficult to do like uh like electronically and that's that's maybe the why we haven't heard so much this way of playing music before even though i can't remember even hearing it before people were using their home studios and their these programs before either but 
it's just new waves, new ways of um, playing with the musical elements. And it's so refreshing. And it's not like the quality of the music. It's, that's not the best, like, but it doesn't really matter because I enjoy so much listening to what happens to the musical elements. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's, he has so really good musical ideas. So it's, it's a travel. Like it's a, to, to just follow what happens to the music. It's really, I enjoy it really much. So it's interesting that you say about the rhythmic uh, element of the record, those overlaying of different rhythms being more difficult to do now in home studios. Um, mm. I know that there's different ways in which you can imbue a human touch to how electronic music is created. And I guess put more of that fluidity back into like a computerized production. Uh, I'm in, mm. intrigued as to whether were there ways in which you, um, in producing a record which I guess has a lot of electronic elements, uh, made sure that there was still a, I, I guess, a human energy flowing through it? Yeah, that's been a really important thing for me. I wanted to have that's been a big focus because there's definitely a. a what can I say, like a pit to fall into or out in to, if you want to make music on your home studio and there's so many fun beats and instruments to use and then you end up using only like finished sounds and and you end up sounding like everybody else, you know. Mm. So I wanted to, I've used... I've used some finished sounds and it's not like I want to, I don't want to be too picky on the finished sounds either. Like, because some of them are really good, you know, you can, and there are so many libraries with sound li libraries that you can pick from. So it's like, if you are aware of this, you can anyway end up like having your own music, especially if you're a singer and you have the voice in center, then there's maybe not that big of a risk but I don't know um anyway I was really picky on making as much things that are supposed to be like um your own touch that are supposed to have to be my identity musical identity like uh, my chords or pro chord progresses or like choir things uh synthesizers I and also just found sounds. I I want to keep my voice and my chords and my uh, found sounds as part of my soundscape and a part of my as a part of my my sound. And <clears throat> so I I have put a lot of energy on making 
some of my synthesizers. I recorded sounds and I put them into a piano and made synths. And um, I, I also made a lot of uh, rhythmical uh, samples uh, that I used and I also cut in sounds from like wherever, like sometimes just uh, uh, sounds, mouth uh, sounds or other times just from outdoors or just uh, from the table or just sounds from where I'm sitting. And sometimes I used sounds that I recorded together with my Lisa, which is in my band and now, which was a part of this album. And we recorded some sounds like a zip, you know, like a zip in the jacket. Yeah. <laughs> recorded like a zip. <laughs> and we wanted to, yeah, have used that. And we also made a synthesizer out from a didgeridoo that I bought in Tel Aviv when I was 18. Like, and we made this beautiful uh, didgeridoo synthesizer and um, my Lisa made um, the rhythmical sample box which is the beginning of the first track uh, uh. European Heights so that's very many of those things are homemade and that's a big um, that has been an important thing to me so yeah, absolutely. To 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 have like the majority of the sounds, or the important sounds, that has been my own sounds. That's been really important to me. And I don't want to blow all the secrets of the record, but I I saw a video of you doing an interview where you talked about that didgeridoo um, being on the record, and I've been trying to find out from just listening which synthesizer that is. Um, and I, I feel like it's the one on IRL that's kind of dancing, like doing this sort of dun 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 dun, dun mm, sort of rhythm. Yeah. Is that the one? Uh, I, I have to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> and I think it's also on Alone Together and on IRL. Ah. I think those two has this synthesizer. So you actually got the secret <laughs> from... <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, yeah, those two has this didgeridoo synthesizer, which I really love. I think it's so calm and nice sound to it. And, and also this IRL, the start with it, this... Uh, this <laughs> this is also like <laughs> um it's uh, an animal you know but it's from a animal book from my oldest son it's like he has this he got a present and there's a book where you can press a button and the sounds from all the animals around the planet comes out from this very tiny speaker and i recorded it with my iphone and now it's on my song. It's like, but I love the I love the sound of this strange animal. It's like a bird-ish animal. It's called. It, it's called. What is it called? It's called. Uh, I only know the Norwegian name for it, but it's like um, isolum. Isolum. It's called isolum. It's called isolum. Ah, okay. Salum, I think that's the animal. 
I have never heard of it before I saw it in that animal book. So it's very, I don't know anything about it. It's just, I love the, I love the sound of it. Mm. And it, it just makes the, when I hear that song, uh, the start of this song, I still get this, it just pulls me into the song immediately because of the isolum. Yeah, it makes me like feel this special, this special, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. It, it, I think it's, it makes atmosphere, atmosphere was the word. Mm. I think it makes its special atmosphere around the song. <laughs> For me, it immediately makes it feel like that the song is taking place at night. Yeah. From the first moment, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm intrigued as well, actually, um, because I, I think I read you talking a bit about IRL and the themes of the the record generally as well. And um, I know that you've mentioned like Black Mirror as being a part as well of um, your thoughts going into this record. Mm. How are you feeling about all of all of that side of life? And, and I mean, because it's something that I'm really, really trying to wrestle with at the moment is, you know, social media and my own relationship with it and finding something that I feel like is more healthy than my current relationship with it. Um, mm. where, do, where does it sit with you right now? And do you have ways that you're thinking about it or... Um, I don't know, trying to consider your relationship with it? Well, I think I'm I'm also wrestling with this beast, like with social media, the social media beast. Mm. It feels like a beast, uh, like I say in IRL also. It's like, it's something that I get addicted to. And that's also what I will write this name to you, like Simon Sinek. Yes, I know him, yeah. I, you know him mm. because I think I don't know what you think about it. I just seen him in this video on YouTube and and this interview with him on a show or something. Um, I think he really speaks about something really that I I feel that my my relationship to the social media are like he describes it very much and it feels like something he he says something about. Uh, addiction and it feels like addiction and it feels like screen and social media are more uh, makes us more addicted that we then we have got time to to research for other we do like science hasn't really gotten enough into how addictable uh, screen and social media is I think and but I kind of feel that I Sometimes I feel like a prisoner of the social media stuff and I can't like get out of it. It keeps me hanging on there and like it keeps me getting into the screen and this this uh, digital rooms that I don't want to be a part of and it kind of sucks out the meaning for me in the the outer space which is kind of the the new way of being without the screen mm. um and the actual world it's kind of lacking more and more meaningful i, I, I sometimes can have trouble with feeling that my act the 
actual and physical world is meaningful. Mm. Even though I know that my body is doesn't have another choice. My body needs the physical world, but my inner my inner curiosity on the social world is taking over sometimes. So it's like a struggle and a wrestling between those two states of being. Like it's the physical world, like just being on the physical side, not thinking, not trying to socialize, not it's getting stronger that it divides those two states very much it's um i'm feeling very much into the physical part of the world when i'm there but i'm but it's i don't know if it has anything to do with it but it feels like i'm not so able to to speak out when i'm in the physical world it's not like where i speak out but when i'm in the digital world that's where i express myself Mm. as express myself is like uh, then i i express myself in the digital world and in the physical world i take in and if it's in that world i have never thought of it like that before but maybe it's more and more that way in the world that getting getting more the physical world are, are also a place where we just take just that human just are the the people just take from the earth and give into the digital world and if it's like that i think the world maybe are i'm not paying too much attention to the real world and the physical world so much anymore and i'm kind of worried because it feels like I, i'm not in charge it's, it's like i feel that's something taking over like it's a paradigm shift i don't know what do you call it like it's like a yeah something really big taking over here <laughs> no i agree um, yeah. and it's really worrying to me as well i completely yeah. feel when you say that there's um the the investment um of energy from me now is within the digital realm and and it's almost quite pacifying the um hmm. the sense now that yeah you i mean you're totally right i've never thought about it like that before but as a physical um body you maybe like uh, go through the motions and then the digital is where the outpouring happens and where the interchange happens and um yeah that is very it's much more concerning than i'd even first thought about <laughs> um so are there ways in which you're trying to I mean, so for me personally, like I'm, I'm trying to not have my phone near me for very deliberate times of the day to try and hmm. remember what it's like to not have that close at hand and to be able to just, hmm. you know, get it out when I want to. But are there ways that you're trying to push back and re-engage physically? Yeah, I, I have... Um... Like when I work, I've been training myself on being flexible. You know, I have to do that anyway. Like I have to flex between creative mode and a business mode like anytime. So I I have my phone with me when I work, but I work only between nine and five mm. in, the, in the weekday. And in the weekends, I don't work. I don't. And I'm not very much on the phone in the weekend. Mm. 
and I try to get into the woods and use the nature as much as I can in the weekends and not I'm not like going shopping or like I'm trying to go out and use the nature as much as I can so and I try to train myself on this is actually very I'm very aware and very uh, conscious about training myself on these things actually on having a long on having long conversation when I can and trying to train myself on being like in a trying to stretch my what do you call it like um, long distance uh, mm. like try to do something for a long time because I, I do very many things just for short for a short time I switch focus a lot mm. so when I can I try to focus longer on one thing and I try to dig in also deeper into things when I can but that's it's just not much time to do those things but in weekends I try to do that I try to I try when I can to go long walks go to a cabin go to the mountains try to not uh, use the phone try to like yeah do those kind of things as often as I can one more question I had on that is have you felt a difference in the way that you listen to music I mean it's interesting you mention about the switch now to where the digital world is where investment happens and that you say don't listen to like cds or lps much and you stream more i mean how how has your interaction with music changed if at all um with the onset of you know digital living as it were yeah oh, this is i could talk for hours yeah. about this because <laughs> Me too. this is this is so interesting this is such a big part of my life and i I had I have so much to say about it because it's it's not just one feeling it's just it's a choice that I made I could choose to to go against the digital development and uh, investments but it's not any point I just I think my option is to just go with it and I have to just stay informed and try to learn as much as I, as much as I can and how to relate to the this age and these times mm. and with the digital platforms and I just have because if I don't I think I will lose contact with the young with the young people um, and my own you know my own family and um, I think uh, and my kids like I, I have to invest in the digital thing so of course my di digital and musical uh, routines they have they've changed like together with the times i it's different that's why i gave you these three albums it's 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 not often that i listen to whole albums any, anymore and I, before i did that all the time and i listened to one album many 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 times on a row and i don't do that anymore maybe it's the maybe it's my age maybe it's because i it has to do with me but i think it's the times as also, I read the statistics of how people consume music these times. I think that's also really, really I think it's more, it's more like, yeah, I think that's the way it is. And yeah, my, the way I listen to music is more one-on-one -on -one song. And I listen to 
that song from that artist and another song from from another artist and its playlists and its moods but i try to see the positive things in this i try to feel i try to fit into it myself also and like i said to begin with i think the new way of listening to music with streaming services and spotify is that actually i as a musician could express myself also more immediately out to my listeners uh, and then i release more in contact with the time and with my listeners and my audience and i could release one and one song like we actually did before the album and the cds and the cassette age mm. uh, it's more uh, like even also maybe in the medieval times, like <laughs> you were sitting in a bar and playing one song that you actually made up there and then, and you were talking about something happening there and then. Actually, I have this positive thought around the digital spaces. Like there are small cafes and small shops and small initiatives happening online that you will not find physically anymore that you only find online and and I think there's really exciting things happening online in that sense now and I try to find positive thing in in the online things there and I think maybe online there's happening really nice and positive and good things um, also for the musical scenes and for for the musicians and not maybe the business part but actually for giving for for making good content to bring good messages so there's also really nice and positive things that we just have to re regulate the use of of all this of the, the screen you know mm. so there's there's positive things yeah i feel like we should wrap up here while we've managed to round on a positive note because it's so easy to yeah. slip back into being quite scared by it <clears throat> but um yeah. thank you hannah so much this has been really amazing um if people want to find out what you're up to <laughs> unfortunately this will be a web address so back to your screens but whereabouts should they be headed um <laughs> to find out what you're up to and um you know when you're next on tour um you can go to uh, songkick uh, there will all my all my uh, tour dates will be on Songkick and also on my homepage and my Facebook account. I'm also active on on uh, Instagram, and I haven't really cracked the code on Twitter, but I'm <laughs> posting some things on Twitter or basically reposting things right. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> so, but. My homepage or uh, Facebook uh, fan page. That would be the safest. Perfect. Well, Hannah, thank you once again. And uh, to everyone listening, I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>